Carvel. Carvel! Akane Tendo Pigtailed Girl. Akane Tendo Pigtailed Girl. Akane Tendo Pig. Greetings, programs, and welcome to another episode of Fan Holes, Big in Japan. I'm Justin, and I'll be your host this evening. Joining me tonight are two of my fellow Fan Holes. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Fan Hole Janai. This is Derek Da. Hey, it's Mike. I'm not the second Mike. I'm number seven. And on this episode, we will be discussing the currently ongoing Ultraman manga. I guess before we get into it, we'll pull back the curtain so to speak because uh you may be wondering like oh why are you talking about manga this is big in japan where you talk about anime and derek and i kind of questioned where to place this we were like should it be a comics mofo should it be a token thursdays and i I kind of ultimately decided we had already opened the door when we discussed the akira manga you know we derek tony and i uh, sat down and read the manga to discuss for that episode. And I was like, well, you know, let's just go ahead and talk about it on Big in Japan. And, you know, this will be turned into an anime, so it kind of fits. Yeah, I think, and, well, it's probably going to be a, a precursor to maybe an eventual discussion yeah. about the anime eventually anyway. So and this, this episode has also been on the back burner for, I feel like, three years. Because at one point, Derek and I were going to discuss the first two volumes. Mm. And we, that kind of got pushed aside and then one night we were like holy crap there are like eight volumes of this like it kind of got away from us at some point yeah but. yeah i don't know i'm i i feel like i'm kind of glad like I, I i don't know if it's just because y- you can look at the whole picture of it and i i kind of feel like I, I mean i know it's crazy but uh, volume 11 i think just recently came out and i i, I know you've read up to that so without uh, spoiling it way ahead of time but I'm sure we'll talk about it eventually. But there is a reveal in that that I did not expect, and it gave me the motivation to sort of go back and 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 look at all those scenes and sequences again with a you know new knowledge, you know, and kind of go, oh, I I didn't even that didn't even occur to me, I guess, because maybe because I'm stupid or whatever. But <laughs> you know, anyway, I looked back at it and I was like, oh, all those lines like make a lot more sense now. Like you know, this is like dur. I guess I should go ahead and say, like, like, we will be discussing the 11 volumes that are currently out. So, spoilers for all of those. Like, maybe maybe you want to watch the anime first and then come back here and listen to us discuss the source material. This manga, this is a 12-volume manga series written by Ichi Suzuki and drawn by Tomohiro Shimaguchi. Volume 1 was released in Japan on September the 8th, 2012. And the official English version was released August 18th, 2015. There is a motion comic version out there, which Derek may discuss later. There is a single titled Ultra Singles containing three songs, which was released in 2015. 
And like we've already mentioned, there is a anime adaptation coming soon to Netflix. I will read a short synopsis, which I stole from the Ultraman Wikia. Forty years have passed since the events of Ultraman, with the legendary Giant of Light now a memory, as it is believed he returned home after fighting the many giant aliens that invaded Earth. Shin Hayata's son, Shinjiro, seems to possess a strange ability, and it is this ability, along with his father's revelation that he was Ultraman, that leads Shinjiro to battle the new aliens invading Earth as the new Ultraman. And this series is a sequel to the original Ultraman TV series, but interestingly, it ignores all the follow-ups, but you do see versions of Ultra 7, Ace, and others eventually. They are slowly introduced. I'm going to like put Mike on the spot. Like This is kind of maybe a little out of Mike's wheelhouse, and I kind of sold this show to him as like, okay, this manga is like Ultraman meets Iron Man. And I think that kind of like got Mike's interest. So like Mike, uh how far did you read into this? Um I read until like chapter 30, which I think is I think into volume 5. So like I, I kind of picked a like I read that like aftermath issue or chapter uh, after like that battle at like Rena's concert and then that's about where I stopped. And like, yeah, you, you weren't kidding. Like, I, like I'm not very familiar with Ultraman, but like, I, I was kind of like, oh yeah, this is kind of like a, you know, a modern take, I guess, on Ultraman. Because, like, I, I think the the thing that best illustrates that is, um, there's a scene where the main character and his father both sit down, and they both like, like he, they're talking about like how you know his father was the original Ultraman, and then. There's a scene of like the current new Ultraman and then like the classic like 70s Ultraman like side by side. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I can see it. Like y- you can see the like 70s like sent uh, like uh, Tokusatsu Ultraman and the like modern like Iron Man like Ultraman like side by side. So, yeah, it's, it's even older than that. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's the 60s. Ultraman. The 60. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, y- you know, what's funny is I kind of wanted to put mike on the spot too but like in a, in a different way i'm i'm curious because justin and i have a strong history with ultraman like even if if we go through this and people have questions or we might want to bring up like oh you know this character is a nod to this series that you know obviously justin's kind of established this is sort of a it's it's a sequel to the original 60s ultraman showa era show but everything that happens that follows after that is not tied into any of the the Showa or Heisei or a- any of that other TV series continuity. So it's in in some ways it's like it's like an Elseworlds that's a sequel to the original series. And I guess my attitude about it is and and I, the reason why I want to put Mike on the spot is he will verify or or just blow my my thought out of the water but what what I'm curious about is I think this manga still does a pretty good job of setting up and introducing a new reader to all the new cast of characters whether you have a history with them or not so my curiosity is 
you know, just kind of what Justin went into. Like, obviously, Shinjiro is a new character to the manga, but he's the son of, of Hayata, who was the original uh, host of Ultraman. But as you continue in the series, you know, obviously, you, you meet Ultra 7, who's Dan Murabashi. You meet uh, Jack, who is kind of a representation of Ultraman Jack. You You meet, you know, Ace and... Taro and you know the, you just go down the list and you you know you you listen to uh, uh, a commercial of Luke Jack and Eddie reading off like all the different Ultramen like you, you'll meet all of them in the manga but they're not necessarily tied into the the actual TV series so I guess my question to Mike would be like how did you feel about reading this up to chapter five like did you feel like maybe there there were too many like clever clever nods to things or or was this kind of did it succeed in being sort of like a an ultimate universe level reboot of the Ultraman franchise where where as a new reader you could follow along and and pick up on all the new characters yeah, I pretty much instantly understood, like, you know, everything that was coming up. And I, I, I'm, I, like, you know, as a comic book reader, I'm, I'm pretty, like, savvy as to, you know, I was like, well, obviously this is a reference to something else. And, like, I may not have seen that something else, but I understood, like, you know, the impact of the moment. And, yeah, like, I, I think it was generally new, what they like to call new reader friendly. Cool. Yeah, I, that's kind of was my thought on it too. So I'm glad you were you're able to confirm that. Yeah, I, I was kind of curious about that too because I was like, there are a lot of nods and references to like past Ultraman moments from like the different shows, and I was like, I wonder if Mike can like enjoy this with like little working knowledge of all things Ultraman because like when uh, Shinjiro's dad, like the original Ultraman, when he you know he gets a suit. And then later he gets a modified suit, but when he shows up, he's got it, it has the little studs on the chest, and he looks like it looks like a Ultraman Zoffy's suit. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool touch because it's like there's a scene at the end of Volume Eleven where you've got like all the you know guys who call themselves Ultraman, and I was like, oh, that's really neat. You've got all the like you know Showa Ultras that are kind of uh, in one little shot, and you know even. Even Shin uh, has, like, his modified suit, and it looks like Zoffy's now. It's like, that's really cool. Yeah, it, it made me think of, I think I thought of, like, that cover to issue eight where Hayata's in the, you know, his black, you know, Ultraman suit, but then he's got the cape kind of like they would have in the, the Ultra Galaxy, you know, mega monster battles and stuff where all the, you know, all the, the Showa era Ultraman would have these gi giant flowing capes and everything. So to me, I, I thought of that as well while I was reading it. And yeah, there's plenty of things you can, you can point out and, and think of when that happens. The, the other thing I was trying to do is like figure out like, to, to me, like if there were ways to communicate things to Mike and like, I was trying to think of something like, because, you know, and he probably hasn't even gotten this far in the manga. Cause like he said, he only got up to chapter five, but I, I was thinking of when Ultraman Ace essentially shows up and it's, it's Seiji, you know, Hokuto that, that is there. Right. And, and you're like, Oh, he works like the person that makes his, armor you know his ultraman suit is an alien named yapool and i was just kind of like that would be like if dr octopus made the the spider armor from the 90s or something you know what i mean like to to us like like the the character of edo 
the the guy in the suit who has like the 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 cyclops eye and everything mm-hmm. like like to us like to me and justin you know and and they go into this i mean they they don't they don't not spell it out in expository dialogue. They kind of say, oh, you you may have once known me as Zeton, and I may have, you know, clashed with the original Ultraman, or my race did, but I'm now the last of that race, and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it's like one of those things where, you know, you're thinking about it, and, you know, it's like all of a sudden, you know, I don't know, Darkseid shows up in a, a three-piece suit, and, you know, is just hanging out casually with, like, all the other Justice League, and it's like, yeah, we're here to save the world, and you're like, but what? Like, wh- what? <laughs> like, what's what's going on and stuff? So there, there's, there's a, a lot of stuff in this that, if you're super familiar with Ultraman, it feels like it turns a lot of concepts on their heads, I think. Something I was kind of curious about, Derek, um, I know when I was reading, like, the, you know, in the first couple of volumes, there are like there are several scenes where like we have like Shin Hayata and Ide. They're like, you know, talking and discussing like they're discussing the science patrol and all this stuff. And I was reading their dialogue with like the old like dub actor's voice. Like, oh, did you okay. have that in your head or like no, something? I I don't know. Like you, you know, I <laughs> thought you were going down a different road. Like I guess mm. I guess I wasn't I wasn't thinking of of dub actors. I guess I don't I don't know that I necessarily that's my go-to, you know, like, I feel like even, even though I watched some of those when I was younger, like, I think mostly, like, I just, these days I watch things in Japanese with subtitles, so I don't think my head immediately went there. Um, just to throw you a curveball, what you made me think of was w- when those two characters, because they have that shared history, you know, like, Ide was a member of the, the Science Patrol and was the, the inventor on the original show, so thus it being a sequel to the show, like there are callbacks to that original science patrol troop and and there's like you know female character in the original series uh Fuji who's like now now she's chief Fuji and she's kind of like Ultra 7's boss but it's like you can see like those characters and they they even have the nice little nod where they they sort of do a stat of the the group photo of all of them the promotional photo from the show so you know when when uh uh, Shinjiro's a little kid, you know, he can point out, like, wh- which one of these do you think I am, Shinjiro? And he points <laughs> there, and he's like, yeah, y- you know, you're right, you're a smart little boy, and, and all this kind of stuff, even though they're they're much older men now. But what what you made me think of was, they have this conversation where I feel like it's like a super-duper retcon, like, as part of the sequel, where th- basically... They have this conversation like, oh yeah, all the Science Patrol knew you were Ultraman. Like we we knew the whole yeah. time, like we knew right like and and part of me was questioning like does that mean like are they trying to say they knew at the end like when he flew off and then they I don't know did some you know I don't know experiments on him or like are they trying to say that whole time everybody was like faking it and they really knew and I was like I don't I don't know that that necessarily like I think I think if you went and watched those sixties episodes like like that would not necessarily hold up you know like yeah. like you you would have to find a point in time like after you know after the end of the series once ultraman separates from hayata at the end and flies back off to the you know m40 whatever the fuck nebula you know that at some point they maybe did a you know doctor's examination on him and were like oh hey you you got ultraman cooties and then all of a sudden they're like <laughs> they're like oh well that's what was going on the whole time and then 
all the science police knew, and then it all clicked for them. And, you know, maybe that's what you're supposed to think. I don't know. But but it felt like, in some sense, their dialogue seemed to indicate, like, oh, yeah, we we, we knew you were, you know, it's like, it's like, we knew you were Superman the whole time, Clark Kent. And it's kind of like, but then there were all these things where you guys were confused and you were wondering where Clark Kent was, you know what I mean? Like, like, so yeah. that, that to me, I was like, I don't, I don't know that that necessarily makes sense. And, and it doesn't bother me. I mean, I can, I can sort of use suspension of disbelief and kind of go, okay, well, that may have changed certain aspects of, you know, the quote unquote original series. Like it may have happened a little differently in this universe. And I'm like, okay, well, if that's the case, that's fine. I can accept that because it's kind of a reimagining of that essential beginning of of the Ultraman, you know, I guess multiverse or whatever you want to call it, you know, but but I, I that's what I thought of. And I was just kind of curious, like what you thought of that bit of dialogue as well. Yeah, that that stuck out to me, too. And I was like, I think I had the exact same reaction. I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense, especially if you're like, oh, we knew the entire time. I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, that's pretty silly. Kind of like uh, I mean, Aunt, Aunt May and the Amazing Spider-Man 400 shenanigans or something. Yeah. I mean, uh, Hayata having no memory of being Ultraman, like, I thought that was interesting. Because yeah, it takes yeah. him a while to get those memories back. And I was like, okay, that, I could see that. But then he was like, oh, bro, we always knew. And I was like, what? Like, no, you didn't. Like, are you trying to, are you trying to save face or something? Or <laughs> is it, I, is I it like, like if Peter went to Aunt May, like, but you married Dr. Octopus and Aunt May was like, I was just fucking with you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was just, I was trolling you. Like it was, I, we thought it was funny. It was a joke. So something I want to talk about, I don't know how you guys felt about this, but there is a reoccurring character called Rena, and she's basically uh, an idol. She's an up and coming uh, singer. And Shinjiro has numerous interactions with her. And, I mean, I I get it. They wanted to introduce something in this series that's a little more lighthearted and everything. But, I don't know, there, there were times where I felt like I was reading an entirely different book. Like, there's a part where they're, like, kind of talking to each other, and he's in his head, and he's wondering about her. And she's all, like, in her head thinking about Ultraman. And I was like, am I reading, like, Love Live or something? Like, this is kind of weird like what happened to my monsters and stuff like so i wanted to know like how you guys felt about like rena and all that idol stuff i was just like like when she was introduced i wasn't sure if they were like introducing like his love interest or something and i was like well she seems kind of young like i don't know what they're doing with her and then like but up to what i read they didn't even like really interact like even like ultraman doesn't really interact with her like personally he just kind of is in the vicinity while she's there so i was kind of like well i'm not sure what they're doing with this character i kind of thought of it as i i mean i know you mentioned some some kind of i assume maybe romantic kind of manga or something like that as as reference right and i i don't know that i i mean i i see that but i I, I guess I'm not bothered by those things. Like, to me, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Superman has a romantic thing with Lois Lane. You know, Spider-Man has a romantic thing with Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy or whoever, right? Like, and and I, I guess that's kind of what I thought, you know, it, th they were shooting for. Like, to maybe, you know, capture some of that, you know, 
you know, shipper audience or whatever, you know, something for, for those people to kind of like hang on to that there was, you know, in the midst of your monsters and your, your, you know, Ultraman and your, your aliens and all this other stuff that there's this kind of, you know, like maybe, uh, bosoming romance, but also like it made me think of stuff like Perfect Blue, you know, like just the the, the whole you know aspect of you know they, they they've got an idol and she's being stalked, but the twist is you know it's like the 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 stalkers conceivably are aliens, but then it turns out they're actually committing murder because somebody bad talked her on social media. You know, and it's like, it's like, it, it, it puts it in a, like, super modern context, I think, you know, as opposed to, say, like, you know, Ultraman from the 1960s, right? It, it sets it in a, in a super present day context. And then also, like, I, I just kind of thought of it as, like, they are purposely turning, like, kind of what I said before, they're, they're turning certain concepts on their heads, and I, I think, I mean, I don't know, I could be wrong, but, and, and this is something where I'll probably ultra-splain to, to Mike or whatever, but, like, like, it's like, I, I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, the, 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 and I, you probably didn't get too far into this, because you, you stopped right at the concert idol thing, but, like, the, the way it all breaks down is, there's an alien prince, and he was the little kid with the four eyes that's running around checking out um, Reina on, like, all the internet sites and going to her concerts and seeing her on the, you know, the Japanese, uh, you know, view screens and all that other kind of stuff. And in Ultraman lore, eventually they, they it's like he's the ultimate version of a character called Pigmon, which is like this little cute spongy bug-eyed alien thing that just kind of, you know, makes cute noises and shit, right? Like, and it's, so, it's like what they did was they took something that, like, it it, it would almost be like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, weird parallels so that they'd make sense, but it'd almost be like if they took, like, Wicket the Ewok, but made him kind of like this grubby Japanese semi-stalker guy that was super into Princess Leia, but like not in a, you know, not in a healthy way, like in a, in a, like, I'm going to buy fan memorabilia of Princess Leia and like wank it to her on my laptop and like, <laughs> Yub, nub. yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, and you're like, you're like, well, wait a minute though. That's wicked. It's like a wholesome teddy bear, but yet they, they kind of turned it on its head into something that it's not. So he's not quite the wholesome teddy bear. It's like, he's kind of dirty and icky and not as cute as you remember. And then when he finally shows up at the concert, it's like he kind of looks half like the Rancor instead of an Ewok. You know what I mean? And and so it's like there, it's like these slight tweaks, like where I, you know, part of me started to question because I I genuinely enjoy this. Like I I think it's a fresh take. I found it like fascinating, almost in a. And this is not disparaging, but like I think when I read this, it's almost like. You're, you're, you know, you're doing the slowdown to look at this crazy ass car wreck with a bunch of clown cars. And, and it's, and it's a circus you've been to before and you remember the clowns, but then you're like looking out at the car wreck and the clown wreck and you're like, holy shit, I don't remember Bozo having like a green wig before. Like I got to slow down even more. Cause like this is not quite what I remember. And it's kind of putting in new twists and turns and you're like really kind of, I don't know. I, I, I was always like fascinated by that take on things. You know, it's like, it's like, I, I can't explain to you how like, it's like, 
Jack makes me feel like he's he's an Americanized Ken boxer that like buddies around with Red King like like that's like I'm I'm like I I keep like stretching to find like like other pop culture metaphors but it, it, it to me it would be like Captain America and his best buddy is the armadillo you know like like and they go <laughs> drink beers together and shit and you're like oh that's kind of clever and cool like the armadillo was never like the nastiest son of a bitch out there but then he was also a bad guy you know so it's like you and and so your 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 mind is like wrestling with you know it's it's like you you're doing the yoda thing like you must unlearn what you have learned and and you're going down that road and i feel like the primary function of reina is to have those moments with these other established characters. And they, they seem to really be into the whole aspect of that. Her father is the, the, the police detective and, and, and that he was saved by the original Ultraman and how that ties into, you know, other characters in the series and everything like that. So like, I, I guess, I guess my answer to Justin would be, it, it doesn't bother me other than, maybe there's that aspect of uh that that swingers aspect like when you see John Favreau like fuck shit up and 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 you're kind of looking at Shinjiro in the context of like oh dude bro like what are you doing man like like the, the sort of the hindsight of uh, the wisdom of adulthood and you're seeing you know somebody who's like a young teen like fuck shit up and you're like oh don't do don't don't do it that way bro like do it some other way like or or maybe you know sometimes you're uncomfortable cuz you're like oh maybe maybe you should just you know get with the modern superhero program and just tell her who you are like instead of all this kind of like oh maybe she likes me maybe she doesn't like you know i mean i get that he's nervous and stuff and he doesn't quite know what to do and 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 that's part of that I guess genre that that maybe Justin's voicing some some unfamiliarity with in in this context, but I guess it doesn't bother me. To me, it's like a little a little Dawson's Creek sprinkle in my Ultraman, and I or a little Riverdale sprinkle in my Ultraman, and I've never been I've never been like super adverse to that. So that that's not to me like get the fuck out of here. Like it's not it's that I don't feel that way. Like I I feel like oh, you know, everybody wants like a little romance. Like as long as it's not to me as long as it's not it's not like it's the A plot. You know, it's not like it's not like Raina's going to turn out to be like, you know, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Maybe she will later down the road like she turns out to be uh uh what's her face um uh i can't think of her name now but you know the the female uh ultra or whatever so i'm kind of curious how both of you guys feel about dan moriboshi oh, aka seven because like i for the longest time i wasn't sure how i felt about him because he was very curt and short and he's kind of a pompous ass and he's very hard on uh shinjiro and i kept waiting for that moment you know like if you're watching an anime or reading a manga there's a character like that and they usually have a moment where they come around and there's a reason they're an asshole but he well i guess he does later on but it never quite got there for me and since and since he's like a ultimate version of one of my favorite ultras like i was kind of i don't know i guess i was a little protective about how they portray this version and i kind of ultimately decided i don't think i like this version of dan warboshi but i'm kind of curious how you guys feel because like i know derek's with me he's like an old school ultraman fan and i know mike is probably coming into this and he has little knowledge of seven and dan warboshi 
I, I like him a lot, actually, and I, I have no prior context for him. So, I, like, I, 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 sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to say, I kind of, I kind of had a sneaking suspicion that Mike would like Dan Moroboshi in this, and and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, or I'm kind of tickled that he does. So, <laughs> that's all. Yeah, I just kind of liked his character archetype. Like, I liked that he was an asshole. I liked that. I, I, I like. I, I just like that he was like the established agent kind of and like, you know, he was kind of like, who's this punk kid like trying to do my job or whatever. And then, you know, later on, he gets like the Ultraman, like 7.0, like man made Ultraman thing. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I, I like when like I alluded to in my intro, I like when the guy's like, what are you, the second banana like Ultraman? And he's like, I'm not number two. I'm number seven. Like. <laughs> But yeah, I I liked him, but I, I admit I have no prior context for him. So I I think there's there's justification for his reimagining. I mean, y- y- I I I would say that most people would point to Ultra Seven as being the the harshest and deadliest Ultra there is, as far yeah. as his attitude about you know. Uh, you know, neutralizing alien threats. And then, you know, the other thing I was going to point out is, man, he is an ass in fucking Leo, man. He makes that poor poor guy go through all that fucking shit and training and stuff. Like, that was that was how I took this reimagining, was they they took they took heavily from that relationship between Moroboshi as the captain with the the fucking cane where he's constantly, like, hitting him on the head like Yoda and making him stand in those fucking waterfalls (laughs) and all that stuff is like you will train you will and he's like i don't know if i can do it it's like stop being a fucking pussy do it you know like i mean that's that's how he was so like i kind of i kind of took this interpretation to to borrow heavily from that or at least that that it's somewhat inspired by that you know he's because i don't i don't think he has it out for shinjiro and he, he to me i think in in obviously it's a long time coming right like i don't think this comes up until after the fight in volume 10 and in volume 11 but like there there is that moment and and he doesn't have it with Shinjiro. So I think mm-hmm. that's why you feel like you, you didn't have a sense of catharsis at this point yet. But he does have some lines of dialogue with, I think, Ito or with uh, uh, maybe Hayata or somebody. And, and he's basically like acknowledging, he's like, oh man, like I should have been more on top of my game when the ace killer squad showed up i should have been more on top of my game with these other guys like if it wasn't for shinjiro like we would have been fucked like and and to me like even though he doesn't say it to him like the fact that he thinks it at all is enough for me like i guess at this point to be like dude he's not you know, he's not all pompous ass. Like he, he got it. Like he gets it. Like, like he might not have voiced it to him yet. So, so Shinjiro doesn't get a big honking head, but like deep down, like he knows what's up, you know? So I, 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 I think I'm okay with that. Like that, like I'm fine with that. Like I don't, I don't hate this interpretation of, okay. of Ultra 7. I do remember watching Leo for the first time, and I was like, dude, like, Dan is like Pi May from Kill Bill. Like, he is harsh. Like, what the crap? Yeah, yeah, he is. He, he gives poor Leo a lot of fucking shit. So what did you, what did you guys think of the art in all these volumes that you read? Like, did you feel like it 
serviced all the characters well or did you feel like it was a little mate or did you feel it was like not suitable for this i i think it took me a couple chapters to figure out like who was who and mm. exactly like a, what you know ul, when ultraman was fighting um uh who's that like the main bad guy uh the the guy who first shows up like the oh, you mean uh, bamular, bamular? Yeah, yeah, him. Okay. Like, like I, like that first like confrontation between them. I was kind of like trying to remember who was Ultraman and who mm, was like mm. him. But you know, I I got used to it. Like the art's pretty like good. It, it is a little like sketchy in places too, mm-hmm. though. You you know what's interesting is I I did not first come to this once it was I guess translated and ported over and and you know I mean I I did get some of the official volumes from Viz and everything, but. I, when when I first noticed this, it was before it was even imported over to the States. And I was looking at like scanlations and things like that. And at that point, they were just doing like, you know, one little chapter in whatever magazine it was being published at the time. And like, I'm trying to quantify how I feel about the art in my reaction to discovering this. And my initial reaction was, I thought this was a lot older than it actually was like you know you know how you kind of went down the rundown of the dates and i think mm-hmm. i think when i finally was like oh wait 2015 and i was like this is really like to me at the time i was like you know because i was probably reading it in like you know 2016 or so- something like that and i was like this is fucking brand new like like i was like I-, I don't know why but like when i read that first couple chapters for some reason i just i i thought maybe it was from like i don't know like like 2008 or you know something older like that it was older and i just hadn't known about it or nobody bothered to translate it until now and when i realized like how current this is like that this is in the process of being created even now like i i think it took me a minute to become accustomed to that and i i think the the art i mean i enjoy it but i i i do kind of feel like it's a little a little old school, like, like ish, like, like, I mean, I, to me, like you said, the way you pitched it to Mike was like Ultraman meets Iron Man. But like, I, I, I guess keeping it within the Japanese context, like I felt like this version and the art especially reminded me a lot of the Giver. And that was one of the reasons why I kind of thought maybe Mike would like this as well, besides the, the, the kind of Iron Man connection that you, you kind of, you know, perpetuated or whatever. And I was like, oh, well, you know, th- this kind of reminds me of of anime that was in the 80s and that kind of, you know, semi... I mean, to, to certain people, they, they kind of viewed it as semi-realistic, but also sketchy and, you know, the, the kind of high-octane frenetic action type two fighters, you know, kind of, you know, passing each other at high speed and you know, different things like that, that, that go on within this manga. And like, I, I think for the most part, like, I, I mean, I think it serviced the characters well. Like I like certain aspects of the, cause it's interesting because you're, you're reimagining characters and they have different character designs. But like, I think in this context, I feel like in the Showa era, all you needed was a leading Japanese man to play each of these uh, hosts of Ultraman. And and they were all good actors, but I think if you do like a, 
you know, like a movie where it's like all these actors like 50 years later and you kind of put them all together. Like, yeah, they're distinct personalities, but I think you'd be hard pressed to say like they're not all like probably good looking leading Japanese men. Right. And, and just in that context, there's a sense of commonality across the board with those people that are being cast. Whereas I think in this, like, it's interesting because you've got like, the young kid archetype in Shinjiro. You've got like the really elderly archetype, which I think kind of reflects the way, um, the, the actor who portrayed Hayata looks today, like almost like in homage to how he looks in a lot of the more recent movies. And then you've got like Dan, who is doing that kind of anime trope where he's playing like the, 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 Who's the guy? Not Mugen, but the other guy in Samurai Shampoo, the 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 dude with Gene. The, Gene, right? He's doing like that that sort of Gene Piccolo archetype, like like and 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 his design, you know, his character model reflects that. He's a little lithe and thin. There is some sense of arrogance to his character design. Whereas if you put him right next to Jack. Jack's like, you know, to me, he looks like Ken from Street Fighter. Like, he's, he's, he's American. He's got like long blonde hair. He's like a boxer and he's, he's kind of thick and you can feel like he'd be in a ring with somebody and everything. But I think if you, if you lined up all three of those Ultraman Showa era actors, yes, they're all human beings and they all look like different people. But in my head, I'm like, well, you know, uh, Hayata, he, he kind of was a, a decent looking Japanese leading man who, you know, kind of, you know, he would have been the, the Captain Kirk of the science police or whatever, right? And then, you know, it's like, I think, you know, Jack, like his, his host was kind of like, he was a little more lanky, you know, a little taller, I think, than, than, than the other guys, but essentially, same costume, same body type, you know, that kind of thing. And and the same thing with Dan Moroboshi. I mean, you know, so I was like thinking like, well, you know, these guys, they all kind of are are emphasized like they, they you with this style of art, you can you can make them all these different character types and 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 to me, I think maybe when it's harder to differentiate them is when they're all armored up. But I think if you did a lineup of them, like all in their civilian identities, it's, it's really easy to figure out like which, you know, who is who essentially like they, they went out of their way to make all those characters really distinct and have their own visual personalities. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Like I, I thought everyone was pretty distinct. Like, like you said, I, I, I think, though, you know, a bunch of different, you know, uh, like Jack was very distinct from Moriboshi. Like, uh, you know, I, I think the way he drew everyone's expressions, like Jack usually had like a more like, you know, lighthearted or relaxed like look about him. Mm-hmm. And Dan kind of looked tense all the time. So how did you guys feel about some of the abrupt shifting tones in this series? Because like. Like specifically volume six stood out because at the beginning there's some levity between Dan and Shinjiro, which we I don't think we've seen very much of up to that point. So I was like, oh, this is nice. Like they're they're joking. They're starting to get along. And then you've got some between like Shinjiro and Hokuto. And then it gets super serious at the end where like seven cuts off Ace's arm 
and the volume ends with what looks like Ace's head getting chopped off. And like I had decided like, oh, I'm going to read volume six and take a break. Like I think I may like get a sandwich or something. But like because it ended with like you thinking Ace just got his head chopped off. I was like, well, I got to read like what's what's going to happen next. So I was like, you know, this thing kind of like switches gears like at the blink of an eye. And like sometimes it'll go from like a serious battle to like shinjiro and reina like talking about like you know she loves ultraman and blah 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 and all that stuff but like what you know how do you guys feel about that i i don't know what shimuzu and uh shimaguchi's american influences necessarily are like because i i don't know they don't they don't necessarily spell it out in some of the the write-ups in the back or whatever or those little uh you know comics that you you know those little shorts that you you voiced to me that you liked so much justin but like my instinct is like uh, another thing i would compare this to if if somebody's on the fence about reading it or maybe they've never been introduced to ultraman i mean i see a lot of invincible in this you know robert kirkman's invincible it's it deals with essentially japanese superhero culture and tropes but like you're saying there there there's the little bit of romance there's a little bit of superhero action but then kind of almost to just drop everything on a curveball like there's certain passages like what you're saying where it gets i mean you know some of it like you said is a little bit of a fake out but things get i mean some of them are not, you know, and some things are like extremely, extremely violent, you know, like there's, there's, you know, decapitations, there's deaths, there's, you know, people get like shot in the fucking face, you know, like there, there's a lot of stuff like that, that, you know, you're like kind of, you know, to me, I'm like, okay, we're like super spoiling, but like, you know, the Taro stuff is to me like the, the it's like, he's, yeah. he, 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 he's got like this kind of, Ooh, I've got like spandex. I'm in New York. I'm, I'm helping people, you you know, get their purses back from purse snatchers. Like this is a fun little thing, and then all of a sudden these aliens come along and start roughing up his buddy. And before you know it, he's like, "Don't move, or I'm gonna like shoot your buddy in the face." It's like, "Oh, you moved, goodbye." And it's like, you know, essentially somebody who's like his best friend in life is now toast. And then he goes full on like Johnny Storm supernova or whatever, and burns off this kind of juvenile you know spandexy costume and and turns into essentially i don't know like some kind of uh you know fireman glenfire version yeah. of of taro you know where he's it, flamed on and stuff you know i really liked that volume like it was fun seeing taro like kind of explore his powers and but then i was like oh this is gonna go horribly wrong and just like a few pages and i kept waiting for it and then, like, when those guys came up and they put the gun to his head, I was like, oh, don't, don't, don't take the abrupt turn. Like, I, I want to go back to, like, the fun stuff where you're, like, joking around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I agree with you about the Ace stuff, because, I mean, the, 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 the backstory with that, you know, seems to be that they're, it, it's interesting, because they're, they're using elements from, from a lot of the Ace series. Like, they, mm-hmm. they made the Ace Killer Squad, like, almost yeah. Negan level you know, to bring it back to the Kirkman, you know, super violent examples, like the Ace Killer Squad is is like a Negan level group of of bad guys that are, you know, essentially 
you know, raping and pillaging the heroes in, in the series and everything. And essentially, like, you've got, like, this princess that he's trying to look out for. So you've got Seiji looking out for this princess, but the princess is named Yuko. And, the, like, this is something where I will, uh, I will continue to ultra explain things to <laughs> yeah. people that don't know, right? But, like, Ultraman Ace is kind of like Firestorm. It's not like your traditional, like, Ultraman setup, like most times Ultraman, there's like a single host and then he turns into Ultraman or in the case of like Ultra 7, like Ultra 7 is Dan Morabashi and then he puts on his little glasses and he turns into Ultra 7, right? But like most times it's a one for one type deal. But in the case of Ultraman Ace, it's actually two characters. It's Seiji and Yuko. And when they put on the rings and everything, then both of them create Ultraman Ace. And in the context of this reimagining, it's just the kid who's, you know, essentially, you know, part cyborg, where he's got all these cybernetic limbs and everything, and that's why it's not, like, the end of the world when Seven's, like, cutting off all his limbs and everything, and even though it gets kind of super heavy towards the end and you think he's decapitated by the end and everything. But... Essentially, Ace is trying to save this, and in this case, she's not from Earth, like, this, this, this lady is from, you know, space, and she's some kind of space princess or whatever, and, and he's definitely trying to look out for her, and it seems like there's this kind of conspiracy that, you know, because it's, it's almost like the way people distrust government and distrust you know, maybe in some sense globalization, like, it's, it's, it, the, it, it's very, you know, they're not hitting you over the head with it, but there is a very subtle undertone in this about the notion that the reason why, like, you know, Ultraman in the 60s show may have fought some kind of bug-eyed monster every other week, but the, the, the concept you have to swallow is after that series and after Ultraman, you know, flew away forevers, like, there were no other alien invasions and incursions, but yet... Aliens have somehow secretly integrated into the planet Earth's, you know, substructure and, 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 you know, communities and life and all that other stuff. And the explanation for that is supposedly the Science Patrol is part of this now galactic sort of federation of, of worlds and everything. So they're all kind of in on it, you know, like, and it's sort of kept secret. And then they kind of reveal the existence of aliens throughout the course of, of the, the manga and everything. And so like, you've got that notion that like, there was some kind of conspiracy, like from those powers that be to have this princess's family executed on a plane flight in on the planet earth so like you, you're dealing with kind of like these these high level like conspiratorial notions and i guess that's kind of why like i kind of dig agent adad who i i feel like it's like you know they kind of point out that he's probably his his inspiration for his look the zebra look is is influenced by the the dada alien from mm -hmm. from the ultra series and everything but like to me it's almost like he's like the the deathstroke the terminator of the series like it's like mm. he's 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 an assassin for hire he works for these these higher level shadowy powers that be in the galaxy, 
But he kind of isn't sure that he totally is ready to drink all the Kool-Aid and go along with the program. <laughs> so it's like he sort of throws all these monkey wrenches in, in, in the plans as they go. And so like, it's, it's kind of amusing to me because he's, he's definitely a foil and he's definitely a cool foil for all the characters. But he also, in some weird way, like, it's like he has that trajectory, the, you know, the Deathstroke, the Magneto trajectory of like, at some point he may have been fighting the Titans, but now he's kind of helping the titans and I, I feel like he kind of has that going on in the context of this this series and in, in that sense like that that is applicable to you know sort of what's going on with with ace and everything but yeah i mean i i guess getting back to what you were asking about i mean yeah that, that it does have those neck snap tonal shifts and i i do really feel like there must be, you know, some kind of Kirkman influence on that. You know what I mean? Like, like it really feels like, you know, things that I've read in Invincible or Walking Dead, where it's like you're moving along and things seem, you know, you're, you're kind of breathing normal and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you know, some kid in a rain smock is getting eaten by zombies or, you know, uh, Invincible's dad is like disemboweling, you know, some poor bastard or, you know, what, wh however, however that works out, you know, like there's, there's, there's those moments where all of a sudden it's, it's super duper gory and it just takes like this really violent, turn that you know it's like you you know essentially you're you're walking around the corner at disneyland and then you walk into crime alley in gotham city and people's heads are getting blown off like i mean that's that's the kind of i guess storytelling trope that's been implemented in a lot of these type of uh genres and i i think that's that's definitely something that's found its way into this as well. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I'm sort of prepared for it. I'm ready for it. I like kind of like what Justin was saying, like sometimes you sit there almost, you know, in a Hitchcockian way, like dreading when that moment is going to arrive because you kind of know in the back of your mind, like something like that is coming, like some kind of nefarious thing is going to befall some of your protagonists, you know, so you can't help but I, I don't know if anticipates the right word, but like, it's like, it's like a dreadful anticipation of something that you kind of don't want to happen. And in yeah. a smaller scale, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about the Reina thing. It's more of a dreadful thing, like where it's like, oh, is he gonna, you know, is, is, is Shinjiro gonna get with this hot idol chick or not? Like, and it's like a lot of times you're like just dreading, like, oh, well, he he didn't have the stones to tell her and he thinks she's going to profess some kind of undying love for him or something. Cause you know, he's into her, but then when she shows up, it's like, Oh, sorry, my concert's canceled. I'm going off to New York, you know? And it's like, Oh, well that sucks for you, Shinjiro. Like, and if I'm vicariously, you know, living through that little Dawson's Creek relationship and, and, and kind of, you know, shipping that or, or getting some kind of endorphins out of that little mini subplot. It's like that kind of slightly diffuses it. Just like if you are a fan of some of the protagonists, the, the other thing, I guess, and I just thought of it now, but like, it, it's kind of like you have one of these like awes on HBO moments, you know, like you, you start relating to a character and all of a sudden they're getting butt raped in the fucking kitchen. You know what I mean? And you're just like, oh, fuck me. Like that, I, I guess I can't relate to that guy anymore because I ain't never been butt raped, you know? And it's like that if, if you were really kind of getting on Ace's side, like, I mean, you know, this more, 
more figuratively than literal listeners, but Ace does kind of get super butt raped at the end there, you know, of, of his arc, you know, so like you're sitting there kind of going, oh man, like if you, if you had any interest in him as a character and you were looking forward to his development, like there, there's some moments where you're like, oh man, he really got put through the ringer, you know, like it wasn't, you know, what he went through was, was no, uh, cakewalk. One thing that did kind of, I don't know, annoy me, I guess. And I, I guess it's it's true of all like modernizations of things like from, you know, decades past or whatever. But like in the early chapters, like I don't know. And I don't know if this is what it said in Japanese, but like the fan scanlation, whatever I read, translated it as such. But they kept calling it the Ultraman. Like it's like the Ultraman, like not Ultraman, like he's the Ultraman. And like, I don't know, that that always strikes me as, I don't know, like pretentious mm, almost. Mm. Like, like I, I, I hate it in like the like Zack Snyder movies where it was like he's the Superman or the Aquaman or whatever. Like, ba- like I mean, Batman was the one who like probably started that the Batman. But I don't, even that is a bit like pretentious, I guess. What, but what, like, if, when, what, if, what if they said it like the cartoon where they went? The Ultraman. Like, would that would that make it any? <laughs> well, then better? it's cool, yes, but no, <laughs> not when he, yeah, not when they're saying it just straight up like the Ultraman. Like I was like, okay, all right, no, you know, I, 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 get, I get, it. get it, I get it. The Ultraman, the like that. It, that I get the the or the the like that sounds kind of pretentious. Like I get it. I wonder. I wonder if. I mean, it's funny because eventually you have all these other versions of Ultraman, but they're not necessarily. I mean, in the context of the story, they're not super necessarily referred to as Ultraman. And it seems like their end goal is to sort of kind of hone uh, Shinjiro into the version of Ultraman that used to exist on the 60s show, almost. Like, or, or you know, that, 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 that he's got a great deal of potential that they can bring out in him. Whereas like Hayata might have the Ultraman factor, but he's a quote unquote old geezer and he's kind of seen his day. Right. And, and the whole time, like that's why, that's why the Zeton Ido is like crying when he fires the, the spacium beam without the armor tools. Like, he's just like, we found him, like, he's the Ultraman, and in that context, like, maybe that's not as pretentious, because he did it of his own volition, like, he didn't need any mechanical help, and, and he, you know, he's at his peak, or prime, or what have you, like, like, and, and after that point, they kind of refer to him as, like, Oh, he's, he's the Ultraman. Like he is, he, he is Ultraman. Whereas before, like that, that I think that's mo- that moment when, when Dan Morabashi's like, yeah, if it wasn't for Shinjiro, we would have been fucked. Because after that point, like that's kind of the turning point for the character. But I see what you're saying. Cause you've got like, I don't know, seven or eight other volumes that you read through before he gets to that point. So it's almost like the pretentious part. I can agree with you because it's like he doesn't really deserve to be called the Ultraman until volume eight. Like, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I get it. 
I just I just meant in a more general sense. It just always kind of strikes me as pretentious or like it's kind of it's almost like a vague like like shame thing almost where it's like, you know, like you can't call him just Aquaman. That's lame. He's got to be the Aquaman because that's like a a concept, not a character or whatever. It's like 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 name shame. Like so if you. Yeah, I guess so. It's like the the Superman. There's there's less name shame. Yeah. Mike, he's the Bart, the the Bart, the. <laughs> so, Derek, I know you kind of alluded to this uh, a while back, and sorry, Mike, but this is kind of a a, a big spoiler. But oh, yeah, yeah. How did okay. how do you feel about the reveal in Volume Eleven that the person who we knew as Bimular is actually the original Ultraman? I felt super stupid. I had no <laughs> idea. I was well, like, like, I was I, like, I was I, like, but what? Like, what the fuck? Like, I guess, because I, I think they totally faked me out, because, like, to, to me, I guess that's one instance where me having Ultraman knowledge, like, you know, mm-hmm. being a quote-unquote Ultraman guru, like, that backfired. Like, they used my pre-existing knowledge against me, because I was like, I thought he was Bemular. Like, I thought, I thought he was some, you know, enigmatic bad guy or something. But then, to, to understand that he was the Ultraman that bonded with Hayata back in the day. And if you go back and read everything, you're like, oh, like he's testing him in that first fight. And then, and then you're like moving forward. You're like, oh, you know, that's why he comes to the cop because he saved the detective before, like he saved uh, Endo Yosuke or whatever. And that's why he comes to him and says, Hey, your daughter's in danger. And, uh, you know, I'm here to offer you my help because I want to help and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh, now it, I, I mean, to me, like I, I reread all those scenes with like a newfound understanding and it all clicked. But at the time when I first read through it, I didn't get that at all. Like I just thought maybe he was being, threatening or 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 that you know you, you know and and then the whole thing with the the plane with the conspiracy like you know the the plane blows up and when they focus on who's in the background you see Bemular there and you're thinking oh did Bemular blow up that plane but it's like you've got um Adad having a conversation with Bemular and kind of going hey bro like i i got the vibe you were trying to like save those people in the plane and you know Bemular is trying to play it off to not give away his identity but he's like I don't care what you think you know like and he's like so you're fine with being viewed as a bad guy as long as you can do your noble stuff basically you know and it's like and it's like he sort of sees through that or sniffs that out or whatever they even have that allegory to he's like uh yeah i sniff things out you know i'm a dad i'm i'm super cool like i can i can see what's going on here and it's like Adad figured it out and then and then Hayata himself figured it out because he had those moments of sort of recognition of like wait like th- th- this isn't the Bemular I fought this is this is somebody else that I remember and then it's like well why do I have that sense of familiarity it's because he's the Ultraman that that bonded with me and it's like that 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 moment where they have that tri-spatium beam to take out the mm-hmm. the what is it like the king joe nod or whatever that was like or no no it wasn't the king joe nod it was like it was some the other, giant thing yeah the giant monster right and i was like oh that was that was fucking epic like that was yeah. really fucking cool like and I, I i did dig on that like i thought that was super cool 
I was really hung up on his appearance because I was like, that's not Bimular. Like in in the original series, I was like, Bimular looks like a spiky dinosaur yeah, thing. Yeah. Like I was like, he looks more like Zenaku from Power Rangers Wild Force. And I, I just kept like thinking about that. I was like, that can't be Bimular. That has to be like someone I, else. I kept wondering. I'm like, this is me because you, you know how I feel about like incidental tokusatsu bad guys it's like it's like to me bemular the original bemular is one of those like yeah he's a spiky dinosaur guy like am i that concerned with him or his name or his backstory no he's just some guy to be blown up right he's just <laughs> you know he, he's just the 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 yeah. pachenko machine guy or whatever you know what i mean like he's not he, he's not like this vital character of importance and like now all of a sudden it clicks because i'm like Oh, that's why they have a figure arts of Bemular. Whereas I think these last like three years, I was like, why the fuck do they have a figure art of Bemular? Who gives a shit about Bemular? Like, and now I'm like, all of a sudden it's all clicked and I'm like, you know, the light shines in and you're like, oh, like I understand now. Like, I'm like, oh, cause he's, it's like, it's like the father, the son and the Holy Spirit, you know, like you're like, oh, it all clicks now. Like it makes so much fucking sense. Like, it's like, they're all there. There's, they're the three signs of the cross and they're fucking blown up monsters. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's like total, like, uh, you know, euphoria and, and enlightenment at the same time where you're like, oh, like I get it. So yeah. And that totally like sort of, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. And so maybe I'm super dumb. And if, if you're still listening to this and you haven't read the stuff, I'm sorry, but we, yeah, we totally, <laughs> totally spoiled all this shit and probably should have read it before you listen to this. But yeah. I think there's a lot of reverence for Bimular just because he's the f- very first Kaiju that Ultraman fights like yeah, in episode yeah. one. I mean, it's like, Kinshiro fighting stupid like Zed guy in like episode one of uh, Fist of the North Star. You're like, oh yeah, that stupid guy. Like he, the very first guy that Ken like made his head explode. You're like, yeah, that guy. Well, I guess you're you're thinking like everybody sat through the first episode at least, even if they didn't make it to episode fifty or to the other Showa eras or whatever. Like everybody remembers that first guy that that Ultraman kicked the shit out of, right? And another thing you kind of alluded to earlier, like I really like those backup strips that you get in every volume. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The the two that I really like that kind of you know cracked me up and actually made me laugh out loud is the one where the authors went to San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> they bought so many toys, it ended up costing more to ship them to Japan than the toys themselves. And then um in volume nine there's a story about how they were actually in Ultraman Orb, the origin oh, yeah, saga. Yeah, yeah. They they met the actor who played Guy, and he asked for their autograph, and they were just, they were just like, "Oh my God, Ultraman, what's our autograph?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That that was that. Those were the those were the fun ones from those. Yeah. I, I but yeah. all those are like really funny. Like those guys seem to at least have a sense of humor about themselves too. You know, like they seem they seem uh, you know humble in their their jokey backup comic strips where they're giving you like a little a little taste of some inside info you know within those but like it's it's nothing that uh, that they can't reveal or whatever but like yeah it's it, those are a lot of a lot of fun and i guess if you're if you're ending with like some kind of you know walking dead robert kirkman negan invincible bloody splash ending or whatever where you're like oh my god like it's (laughs) probably you probably need that moment of to 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 kind of uh decompress and just have a chuckle of so do you guys have anything else you want to uh mention or discuss about these uh volumes that we've read 
I guess I I was just wondering, like, in terms of, because, you know, to me, it's like I always talk about, you know, coloring books and black and white and all this other stuff. Like, I just figured I'd mention that, you know, obviously the motion comics are in color. Like, I, I think it's kind of interesting because I guess in my head I was envisioning, like, Dan and Ace as having blonde hair. But I guess in some of those they have more brown hair so i guess you know some things were not necessarily to my expectation but like i think sometimes with those i i my go-tos are always reading judge dread and teenage mutant ninja turtles in black and white how sometimes it's hard to distinguish things like i kind of feel like the fight in volume 11 can be a little more difficult to follow than others because you have all those characters and they're all suited. And sometimes it's a little hard to distinguish sometimes from panel to panel, like who's fighting what. I mean, I, I feel like I got pretty good at it, you know, like, and, and Jack had like a more bulkier armor and, you know, you know, the Hayata had the cape and, you know, Ace had, you know, his, his, uh, you know, the cybernetic limbs and all that stuff. So, I mean, there, there were things to help you distinguish, but, and, and, and at some point, you know, like ultra sevens running around like freaking cable with these like monster ass fucking guns and all this other stuff. Right. So, I mean, there were things to give you clues, even if it was in black and white, but I, I kind of think like, sometimes I'm like, I, you know, it's just my nature. Like I, I like seeing stuff in color so like reviewing those motion comics i thought you know was was cool just to see how they they approached the colorization of the characters and all that kind of stuff and i guess to to expand on that one of my final thoughts or one of the thoughts i had about the manga in general is like there were a lot of alien characters again like these kind of to me you know, throwaway Pachenko monster characters, right? But you have like, like besides Bemular, you've got like the 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 guy that looks like the the Balton alien, right? You've got the basic uh, mm -hmm. alien, or you've got you know you've got Red King, or essentially yeah. as, as Red, right? And you've got um you've got this alien Briss, and that that's the one that's debatable. Like in the Ultra Wiki, they point to an alien called. Waroga from Ultraman Cosmos, but I think his mm. colors look like Metaron, you know, like from, oh, from okay. um, you know, I think, what is it, like seven, right? I think. Mm -hmm. And like, so, so like the, to me, I'm like, the colors made me think of the, you know, the figure art for the Metaron, right? Like, but yet the, the, the wiki points to like, oh, well, some of his, you know, I don't know, design elements look more like this other, you know, alien from um, Cosmos. And then, you know, I, I guess the other thing I thought of is, you know, they've got all these like image inducers for themselves and stuff. And I guess I couldn't help but think like, like, I, I guess I want to like secretly slam um, IDW Transformers or whatever. Cause it's not like, <laughs> it's not like an icky tailgate image inducing thing that like makes you feel all weird and queasy inside. Like the, when, 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 um, ultra when uh red you know when red king turn they turn him into a little kid because they say he sounds like a little kid and goes around stubbing people's toes or whatever he does and then there was like that funny moment where he's in new york like and he's like this little like shit 
like richy rich kid, but he's dressed like a thug gangbanger. And they have that one funny line where the guy's like, "I don't think you want to go around New York City at night dressed like yeah. that, because like the real gangbangers are gonna make like mincemeat out of you, or like, or at least try to start shit with you, not realizing you're this gigantic like yellow, you know, dinosaur monster or whatever, you know." But yeah, I guess I guess my my thing was I was just curious like what your thoughts were on like some of those those aliens and 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 how they sort of reflected in the like the black and white manga. Are you looking forward to seeing how those are portrayed in the anime? Like th- things like that, I guess. Yeah, I think like you, I pictured um, Hokuto with blonde hair. Like I can't imagine him with any other hair color, to be perfectly honest. So yeah, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this to seeing this. Uh, realized as an anime because i'm kind of wondering how i see it and interpret it in my head like i kind of wonder how it's going to translate to to animation yeah like i I was gonna say like if nothing else like reading this has made me want to watch the netflix show yeah that's that was going to be my question for you mike i was kind of wondering do you think you'll finish reading these volumes or will you like at least watch the anime but i guess i have my answer now yeah, like I, I wasn't like, you know, they're kind of breezy reads. So like mm-hmm. I was thinking like, you know, if I'm bored later this week, maybe I will go and complete up to current. But then it, like part of me is also like, but why don't you just like, you know, wait for the show and then like f- like this point on everything else will be new basically from yeah. like, you know, after that. But I wonder, I wonder you know, I, I'll see. I wonder how much like I wonder if it's going to be a strict panel for panel adaptation or not because like i i had this like weird dawning realization of oh like because of the motion comic i feel like that's why this is going to be a uh you know a cgi anime does that make mm. sense like i feel yeah. like they, they felt like they already sort of did a i don't know a traditional anime with that motion comic even though it's a motion comic but still i mean the, the, the certain things like anime and a motion comic like i mean there's the, there's a fine line you know what i mean so it's like one of those things where i i, I kind of got the vibe with the motion comic they felt like all right well we we kind of already did a a traditional you know um line art kind of anime version of this with these motion comics so if we're gonna make a anime that's gonna be distributed worldwide and go on netflix we need to you know shake it up a little bit and do something different larry like i could feel like executives kind of going well we can't make it like that other thing we already did because that's going to be boring so how do we how do we make it new and interesting for everybody involved and then you feel like oh okay well they're doing this you know, semi CGI thing with it. And to some people, like, I, I feel like people, you know, lose their minds over that. And it's like, my, my only reservation with it is, I mean, I've seen it on things like Cyborg 009 and it really isn't very good. Like it's got that weird event horizon where like they're, they're trying to make a two dimensional image come off as three dimensional and it just, doesn't work so that would be my reservation about it but i i kind of have faith like you know like everything else the technology gets better and better so you know maybe maybe uh you know cyborg 009 was like the you know stupid stepping stone that you know was not quite as good but but you know by 2019 standards you know i i won't have that weird event horizon you know trying to look at uh cgi cell shaded anime you know i guess the last thing i'll say is um 
if you're thinking about reading these, but maybe you're like, oh, I don't have time to read like 11 or 12 volumes of manga. Like I'll say like, these are pretty quick reads. And like, I, I feel like Derek kind of pushed me into reading these because one night he was like, dude, I just read like all 10 volumes. And I was like, are you, are you crazy? Like what's wrong with you? And you were kind of like, oh, these are pretty quick reads like Akira. And when I sat down to read them, like I was like, Derek's, Right, like these are like pretty, pretty brisk reads, and I, mean, I flew through most of them. It's it's like it's like it's it's that positive in the sense that like th- this is a nice thing you can say about Bendis's writing, where you're like, oh yeah, that that read extremely quickly, right? But then then the the only caveat to that is if you're gonna be butthurt that you spent like you know seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine on a volume of manga that takes you like you know five to ten minutes to read, then you know you'll have to wrestle with that and soul search yourself to to what's good or bad about that but i i think we're saying it as a positive like that you're engaged and engrossed at least at least it has like five or six times as many pages as a bendis comp basically so And the, and and on top of that, there's no there's no talking Ultraman heads. It's not like it's a uh, you know Reina and uh, uh, Shinjiro with just like you know five pasted uh, heads of the same head, you know, and having like the you know. Reina Reina's like Ultraman baby baby, baby Ultraman baby baby. <laughs> baby. Did you go to the concert? What concert? The concert? The concert we went to? Oh yeah, the concert. You mean the concert? Yes, the concert. <laughs> Absolutely, the concert. You know what? I couldn't get you into the concert. We canceled the concert. You canceled the concert? Yeah, I canceled the concert. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> but I guess that will wrap up this episode of Fan Holes Big in Japan. And Derek, if you would do your usual thing. If you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you want to share with us how you came across the Ultraman manga and if you're into it or not, or if you're looking forward to the Ultraman manga anime, you can send us emails at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of all the Big in Japan episodes, you can go to the fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. In addition to Big in Japan, we've got all kinds of other shows. We've got Mobile Suit Mondays. We've got Transformers Tuesdays. We've got Toku Thursdays. We've got Big in Japan, of course, this show where we talk about anime. We've got Comics Motherfucker, Do You Read Them, where we talk about comics. We've got Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, where we talk about the chronological history of the Thunderbolts. And we've got our Fan Holes podcast proper, and I think I may have forgot Sentai Saturdays. So yeah, they're all there, uh, and check those out. And we are on all kinds of social media, so if you don't want to email us, you can contact us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram. So we're on all that good stuff. You can stream us on Stitcher Radio, and we are on iTunes. And this is Justin signing off. Shwatch! This is Derek, Derek WC. This is the Michael signing off. (laughs) The Michael, the.
It's like, Larry, Larry, you ju- you can't just call him Ultraman. That's lame. You've got to call him the Ultraman. It's like, Larry, we got we got too many Ultramen. Too many Ultramen. We need the Ultraman. And then the rest of these guys, they just, whatever. They're something else. And fire Ben Affleck. Yeah. He's no longer the Ultraman. It's like Ben Affleck is playing a 15-year-old Japanese boy. It doesn't work. Fire him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's the role he was born to play, baby. 